Yes, hello, welcome along to episode 133 of Tommy G Talks, and this episode packs an absolute punch because I have a special guest in this episode. He goes by the name of Brad Burton. Brad is the UK's number one motivational business speaker, and he's also a four-time best-selling author, but there's so much more to the story than that, and you'll find out a little bit in this episode. What do you get? when you have the UK's number one motivational business speaker and you have the platform that is Tommy G Talks. Well, you get a lot of truth bombs being dropped and this episode has some real nuggets, some real gems that will really resonate with you if you're someone that has a positive outlook on the way things are going. You, you understand that we're up against it a bit. There are challenges, mental challenges, physical challenges. There's challenges with the way things are going in the world. If you recognize them but you want to have a positive mindset, you want to be able to overcome them, then this episode is really going to help you. Not only do we have these truth bombs and these real golden nuggets to take away, but we've also got a little bit of an insight into what things you learn by doing over 2,000 public speaking events, which is what Brad's done. We also discuss what it's like speaking in front of thousands of people, something that we both have done in our lives. And we share a little bit about the way things are going with technology and some of the strange phenomenons that are happening with what we would call the modern day flex. People are actually showing off now within virtual environments like Fortnite and other games and other virtual reality settings more so than showing off in real life. And it's crazy, but it is happening and we can't ignore what is happening. We can only look at it and we can only discuss it. And that's exactly what we do in this podcast. Let's dive in to this one together. Ladies and gents, I'm super excited today because I'm speaking to someone who I highly respect and admire. I've been following his work very closely over the last six months, but I've known of him for a few years. His name is Brad Burton. So without further ado, Brad, why don't you just go and introduce yourself to those people that know you and maybe haven't come across you just yet. Thank you so much, Tommy. So my name is Brad Burton. I'm the UK's number one motivational business speaker, four-time best-selling author and founder of... Or am I Brad Burton, the guy who left school with no qualifications, whose dad left when I was six months old, who got shot at when I was 21, done four years of benefits, been addicted to drugs twice, and delivered pizza at 31. Two sides of the same coin, and over the course of the next, however long it is, we're going to find out which version of me I am. Right, let's, uh, let's get straight into it. So let's talk about performance. Everyone who's listening to this, they have responsibilities, roles that they need to step up to um, that sometimes bring a bit of pressure. Now, being a motivational speaker and having to stand there in front of thousands of people sometimes is some people's definition of hell. Um, but taking it out of context, what advice would you give to someone who is feeling a bit nervous or maybe not 100% about what it is they're about to do? And from, from your experience, whether there was a time you were speaking, you didn't feel 100% before, how do you get yourself into that positive and constructive mindset so in the olden days i would do things like listen to drum and bass and get myself amped up beforehand i don't do that anymore i'm like cool as a cucumber and actually what you need to do is when you need to kind of switch on you switch on where people go wrong so you go and speak in front of a thousand people if you used to go and speak in front of a thousand people it's the first time ever you're going to die fact so what i've done it's been like exhibition fights started speaking to five people then 10 people then 20 people then 30 people so it's relative and what i mean by that is the fear that you feel the first time you speak and you're speaking to five people is the fear that you speak to five thousand people for the first time it is just relative and where people go wrong is i think tommy what they do is they um they, they want to skip the steps yeah. So how do I speak at the biggest stages? I've got a story that people need to hear. 
Yeah, it's not as simple as that. So I would say that to any single individual that, you know, even people like me were blagging it at one point. And I think that everyone's blagging it. And anyone that I've ever met, whether a Dragon's Den person or even a a number one top selling uh, pop artist, they've all had nerves. They've all had to overcome nerves. So don't believe just because somebody's up there, you know, making it look easy that they've, you know, that they don't have nerves backstage. I have been literally backstage like that. And they go, oh, Brad Burton, you know, you're going to love him. The UK's number one motivational business speaker. And I come on and I've had to let go of that. And what I would say, you get about two minutes, two minutes to get yourself back to some sort of semblance before people can suss out your nerves. Yeah, I, I agree. I always make sure I practice the first, like the introduction and my first setup to what I want to say. If I practice that, then I almost get the internal feedback of like, oh, things are going well. Yes, I always like give that advice to anyone in any any sort of context. You know, I got a, um with, with with me, I've got a um a, an opener which is a come on stage. You know, and I, I do something when I, t- I train people to speak is that you've got like three seconds to get attention. So when I come on, just by the sheer way, the way that I look, I walk on like I'm ten men waving, and people are going, "Who's this dickhead?" That's what people are going to be thinking. Some people are going to be thinking that. Some people are looking for whatever. But I give them a, a reason to want to go for the next thirty seconds. Hi right, guys, just to put your mind at ease, I am from Salford, Manchester. I do have shaved head, do have tattoos, but don't worry, I'm not a drug dealer good laugh anymore but we can all change and that's what I'm going to do for the next six hours so you've now got another six hours we're only speaking for now you just wake people up so within like 10 seconds I've hit them with loads of stuff which has kind of woke them up yeah I love that I also love how because I would say that you're like you know you're a you're a heavyweight hitter of the the motivational speaking scene in the UK here especially and you have got that presence that's well it's just beautifully you if you know what I mean very authentic you mentioned about the comparison to fighting. Yeah. You're right. I think so many people skip the beginning. And you can't do that if you want to be a fighter. You have to do the, the backstreet brawls. You have to do the little bit. You have to do the time in the gym. Like you can't just go and fight on them. And nobody would actually go and want to fight on the main card because yeah. they would get shown up. But for some reason, in the speaking industry, it's like there's almost like this entitlement that I should be on that stage. You know, it's interesting because the best way you learn how to uh, to not get punched in the mouth is by getting punched in the mouth. And it is a bit like a boxer in that you've got to uh, you've got to train and you've got to get it wrong and you've got to learn what did I learn from that. Every time I speak, and this is a great tip for your for your audience here, is every time I speak or do something, ask this question: What did I like best out of that? And what would I do differently next time? And that constant uh, reviewing of situations means that by default, the more you do of anything, the better you become. But here's what I think. I think an expert is someone that has made all the mistakes in a particular niche field. So when it comes to speaking, I've made them all. I've said stuff that actually go, oh, shit, why did I just say that? I've died on stage, like literally died on stage. I've, I've you know, I've, I've doing it now. You know, I can't, can't think about what you're going to say, but I've got fallback positions. So when you lose where you go, Whereas the older girl, I've lost what I'm saying now. I'd say, you know what? I've lost my way. And on occasion in life and in business, we lose our way. And it's how you get back from that. So right now, and, it, and it's, that, it's that ability to be able to, any kind of ad libs, and not ad libs have been done a million times, they just look like they are. Yeah, I think people really underestimate that. And if we look closely enough, we can all find moments or examples that in our own lives where it's almost like our bandwidth at the beginning is so tiny that it's difficult and first time someone goes to speak or goes to present and they feel oh, I'm making a mistake or I've lost my way they haven't got the bandwidth yet because they're not practiced yeah. as much to be able to go well I know that but it's okay because I've got these fallbacks yeah. and that, again like from from a fighting perspective it's almost like you've got your you've done your your hours you've done your 10,000 plus hours so even if you've lost a little bit of your 
stance or your balance, you've still got some great strikes or defences you can throw. We know something, if you think about it, Anthony Joshua, all he's doing is that and that. That's it, all he's doing is that and that. Mm-hmm. What, left and right? Right, that's all he's doing. I could do that for 10 million quid. No, you couldn't, because actually it's not just that and that, and this is what looks like as a speaker. I was just speaking for 40 minutes. Anyone could do that. No, I've literally spoken two and a half thousand times in public. Two and a half thousand times in public. There's been times when I've died and I go, okay now. And there's been times when most normal people would say, I am never doing that again. I said, what did I like best? What did you do different the next time? And I believe that's what makes an expert. Well, you make it look easy. And I guess that's another sign that someone's doing something they've well rehearsed and then they've practiced and put the time into. With the speaking industry, again, there seems to be a bit of a what the speaking scene, business scene, however you want to describe it, even coaching and sort of that sort of scene. That it's like, I think I can do that, or I think I should be doing that, rather than recognizing the work and then starting from the bottom. What do you think makes it like that? Why do people see it that way and they don't recognize that? Great question. Uh, social media, today's world of entitlement. You know, years ago, when I was a kid growing up, if I wanted to know about World War II and Sherman tanks, I'd speak to granddad. Granddad would give me his version of World War II and, and, and Sherman tanks. Nowadays, granddad gets bypassed. And what happens is I just go straight on Google and find out about World War II and Sherman tanks. That unfortunately, is a problem because that's what's going on. People believe that you can go on a course and you can suddenly become top of your game. It doesn't work like that. The thing that's lacking so many times is that experience, right? So I could do a perfect presentation and teach somebody a 45-minute presentation within four hours, no two ways about it. But what they're lacking is all the fire alarms going off. Now what do we do? Oh, Nana, are you there? You know, it's this kind of stuff. And that's the bit that I, I just, I genuinely think that that is a, a, a problem that we've got with social media is because, you know, people are taking advice. I've got a mate of mine who's, who's got a 10 million, that's got more than I bought, 10 million pound business for the sake of this conversation. Um, and, and you'd bypass him on Twitter. He's got 200 followers. You'd bypass him and go, oh, who's this clown? And you'd have some kid with a snapback backwards getting out of a rental Lamborghini. Yeah, I'll teach you the secrets of business and eight-figure and everyone's going, oh, it's amazing because they understand the technology they understand how to do it. Whereas old school, like me, don't understand it. And actually what we've understood is that game of getting up every single day when you don't feel like it and actually getting punched in the mouth and going, okay, what did I learn? How can I do it again? I mean, you must have a bit of a confidence that quality will outlast these fake let's say fake you know people coming out and saying you know i am this i am that i've done this look at my lamborghini look at my snapback hat now those obviously are they're examples of the type of pictures that we see when these accounts show up there are a lot of these accounts and you can be very mistaken as a general public you know someone who's looking for a bit of help someone's looking to feel good you know should i take this person's advice should i not mm. how would you differentiate or what advice would you give someone who's out there looking to just be a better person, but can find themselves falling into maybe a, a bit of a content trap that then actually could end up being a bit of a financial problem. For them. Oh, I mean, a couple of things here. I've seen people, you know, buy courses that are, you'll be able to sell your authority and automate a system so you make money while you sleep. And actually, you know, spend thousands of pounds on a grand opening, three months later, a grand fucking closing. And, and actually, this is the bit that people need to recognise. It's easy spending money. It's easy investing money, less so of, of earning it. Um, you know, whenever I speak, and let's say I get, for the sake of this conversation, £5,000 uh, to go and speak, um, you've got to give them £5,000 worth of value. 
you've got to give them that actually as an organization they go well that was worth five thousand fucking pound not just a great story and this is you know when i first started as a motivational speaker um and, and people say to me brad how would you become the uk's number one motivational business speaker in fact somebody asked me that two days ago um i just made a website instead of the uk's number one yeah, motivational business speaker. i love that but, but the thing is with that <clears throat> is that a couple of things here from a metaphor perspective is that if i was to go to a nightclub and see a 20 pound note on the floor and say look at that there tommy Pick it up, you pick it up, you saw it. You're nearer, and whilst we're arguing, somebody comes along and picks a 20 pound note off. Now we're spending time arguing as to who should have picked it up. And I saw a big gap, massive gap in there. I've never been over Mount Kilimanjaro uh, or, the, or the Great Wall of China on a unicycle. You know, that's not me, but have I got shot at? Yes. Have I turned my life around from a, an absolute bum who's done four years on benefits and no qualifications and 25 grand in debt delivering pizza at 31 to something significant? Certainly in my world, yes. And that's the story. And my story is everyone's story. Everyone, if I go back far enough in your life, Tommy, I'll find something questionable. Fact, right? I go back at any single individual. The difference is, as a motivational speaker, I'm daft enough to share it. So I would say to any individual that wants to get into this game, your story, are you prepared to share it? And if they say yes, say that's wonderful. Who's prepared to buy it? Because that's the bit that you need to understand. Because it's not just your story. Oh, I was brought up on, you know, I was an orphan. Great. Then what? You know, it's actually, it's about using every single negative in my life as a positive. The fact that I look like a drug dealer, I play up to it, I move move towards it, I don't I don't run from it. No, you, you need to cover your tattoos, Brad, they're a bit aggressive. No, fucking don't. You know, Pete, every step of the way, people said to me, I couldn't make it happen. You can't be a motivational speaker like that. Why? You need to smarten your act up. You need to get a suit on. And no, no, no. What you need to do is you need to be you. And I think that that's what I always bring to anything. I'm unyielding. If people don't like me, that's okay. I like me. Powerful. I really like that. Just a question, though, because I've been there myself and I'd love to know what you think. How you mentioned about looking back and you'll find something, you know, a, a blip, something negative, something problematic, something that you didn't fulfill or a promise that you didn't keep. How do you know if you're actually in one of those chapters? So you say very openly, never trust the fat motivational speaker. It's kind of a similar thing, I think, is if you're doing the do. So you're stepping up, you're stepping on stage, you've got the microphone on, but deep down, you know, you're going through a bit of one, you're actually going through one of these yeah. shit patches. Yeah. How do you navigate around that without thinking, Great call. Hey, I'm a bit of a fraud or speed, yeah. you can't see it? Mountaineers don't stay at the top of mountains, they don't stay at the bottom. There's stuff going on in my life right now, which is going on in my life right now. That doesn't detract from anything that's gone before. And actually, if I think about every single dark thing that has ever happened to me, probably the darkest thing, 2nd of January, 1995, two bullets through my window. I had to move from Salford, Manchester to Somerset. Well, I had to move somewhere. I moved to Somerset. If it wasn't for that, you and I wouldn't be speaking now. The worst day of my life, I wouldn't have written four books. My daughter, who's in the next room there, she wouldn't be in there. I wouldn't have met my wife. Everything happens for a reason. So if right now, no one's life is perfect, but if I go on social media, all I'll see on Facebook and Instagram is perfect lives, perfect businesses. And yet when I ask audiences, is your life perfect? Not a single hand goes up. Is your business perfect? Not yet. Not a single hand goes up. So somewhere along the way, we're all being drawn into it. Oh, oh, they've got a perfect life. Oh, look at their body type. It's bullshit. So what you've got to do is you've got to compare your life to your life. That's how I've managed to reconcile it. If I compare me to Alan Sugar, hello, Lord Sugar. Mm, mm, mm. Hello, Richard Branson. Oh, fuck off. But if I go and compare me, Brad Burton now, <clears throat> to the Brad Burton who was a former drug addict, the done four years on benefits, duh, 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 I'm a 10 out of 10. So my mind's eye is relative. So my performance as a motivational speaker five years ago you know, my 10 out of 10, if I put it up against me now, would probably be a seven. 
True. So it's always a case of just put your, be your own competition, run your own race. Love that. When when you're doing that, what if people are thinking, I used to get that whole everything happens for a reason, but I'm doubting it now because this is not providing me with any reasons. Personally, I, I used to always say everything happens for a reason. Then something happened in my life which made me doubt that, but I was able to almost graduate my thinking beyond the cliche. So I wanted to kind of know what your... Yeah, yeah, great question. So, you know, fucking, listen, there's some terrible stuff that goes on in in the world and that's the nature of it. And we don't dwell on it. Every single morning I wake up with a, almost like a Brexit. And what I mean is the biggest fight of anyone's life is going to be which version of them. Is it the negative one? Is it the positive version? Because there's a negative and positive version of me. You know, face like a slapped ass, the world's terrible, da 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 Or this positive version. And I believe I've, I've, I've won that fight. It was 51% positive, 49% negative for 20 years ago. And I think I've, I've, I've kind of sliced it off. I reckon I'm now 90% positive, 10% negative. That is the starting point because you need to kind of, if I go and give you, uh, if put your hand out and put a red hot coal on there, you'd let go of it straight away. What happens with stuff that you're talking about there is we hold on to that red hot coal. We've already paid the price of the pain, but that pain that we're holding on to keeps us connected to whatever that thing is, the loss that we've had or whatever it is. At some point, you're going to have to let go of that at some point. So you can wait five years or five years ago, 10 years, Five minutes, when's a good time? So if I ever asked anyone that, say, when's a good time to let go of it? And they go, now, well, why don't you let go of it? And then we get really honest. Well, because I'm feeling pain because I don't want to let go because it means I'm letting go of that. You know, where problems are formed in people's lives and in their businesses is when they try and want to go back to a place and a time that no longer exists. So in my case, I wanted to go back to Salford when I had all my girlfriends, lots of them. I had all my little gang there. Everything was cool. I was Mr. Cool. And now I'm in Somerset where nobody knows me. I've got no reputation. Nobody knows who I am. And there's me on my own. And that was a reset. And for many, many years, I was on Prozac 25 years ago, Fluxetine, because I was depressed. And actually, I look at it and I think, well, why was I depressed 25 years ago? Because I was unwilling to let go of that. And now as a result of that, I realise that at some point you are going to let go of it. So when's that good time to let go of it? And I let go of stuff, I'm human, pretty much instantly. Okay, yeah. And what advice would you give someone who who had to um, let go and wasn't able to get to, say, one of your events or something? Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to them? Well, you know, fucking reach out to me. However, the reality is I can't do your press-ups for you. What I can do is I can say some sharp stuff within very, very short space of time to get people tuned in. This is what I do. I get approached day in, day out. Honestly, I've got 13 inquiries on average we was, and we went, this is fucking ridiculous. 13 people, can you just help me out? Have you got five minutes? Can you just look over this? And at first we used to do it, and it, it sounds like I'm being uncharitable now, but we've got to the point where it's like, fucking hell, this is madness. And actually what happens is we magically fix everyone's problems by saying, yeah, you can book me if you want for a 60 to 90 minute session for the 500 quid, at which point magically everything repairs and that's cool that's good and that in itself done it but we have like you know from our perspective it's that ability to be able to find a way through there's no problem that i've sorry two problems in in probably five thousand problems i've dealt with um that i couldn't deal with there's nothing i could have done to fix these and this is where people coming to uh, to me with problems so in the round i've got a 99.9 percent success rate of fixing people's problems fast yeah love it it's difficult. I've had conversations with my wife before previously right. where I've been, so I, I was running personal development events. I had a coaching business and I had strangers in my inbox 
and I'm back and forth with them. The phone's pinging, and I've had to tell my, what, who are you messaging? I'm like, I don't really know. She said, like, what do you mean you don't really know? And then it's like, well, I'm, it's like you, you can't help everybody, but you, you want to, but there needs to be a bit of a line, and it's difficult so, sometimes, isn't it? Well, Tommy, you know what? I say this exactly the same. You can't save the world. I've tried, and, and actually end up burning myself out. Yeah, like yeah, taking everyone's problems and dealing with them, and, and actually, you know, it's it's disproportionate, and it's it's not it's a disproportionate amount of uh, revenue versus fucking problems. And what I mean yeah. by that is actually sometimes it's above the pay grade, and some things that can't be sorted out. I mean, I've had a couple of people say they're going to commit suicide, and I've taught them out, but I said, look, you don't mention that to me again because it's above my pay grade. You've got no right to do that. If you feel that way, go and seek out professional help, not Brad Burton, because, yeah. you know, I'm just a fucking working class lad from Salford, Manchester, who's got a bit of swagger on stage, and I'll do my best to try, but that, I cannot have that on my fucking thing. It's a do not, we've, we've got you that are down now, it's on you. Do not come to me again. So I've done everything I can on that situation. Yeah, good. And do you think that's one of the reasons why you would always commit to making content, writing books, is it's <clears> almost like a lower entry for people? Yeah, totally. But I mean, I don't think of it so tactically or strategically. <laughs> do you know what? This is the thing. What you need to do, you need to put three emojis and then you need to post it. It's that fucking whatever fuck happened to just people being people. And this is the world that we're in, unfortunately, <clears throat> is that everyone's on fucking rails, just going through the motions, following everyone's doing the same. Yeah, what you need to do is a fucking clickbait title on your LinkedIn, then do this. Ah, oh, fuck off. So the whole fucking world has become this myopic fucking version of itself where it's almost like we're almost like little AIs just self-generating content so that we can fucking get likes. Why? Yeah, but if you get likes and you go viral, why? Yeah, because if you go viral, shut the fuck up. Yeah, what's the point? Like, literally, what is the point? And so many people are striving to get that viral video, but why? It's not going to change or affect them. It's you know, just almost like they're stuck in this achievement reward Tommy, Tommy, I've been on I've been on um, Jeremy Vine's show live eleven times, and I remember the first time I got invited to it, I ring up my web developers. Right, I need the biggest hosting increase that we can do. Right for that, we spent I don't know, let's say two hundred quid to host for the you know for my website. I'd get hit, and then I think we got one fucking inquiry, eight, eight million audience, eight million, and in my mind's eye, I'm playing this out here. I'm thinking I'm on question time. You know, and it's just, it's just ridiculous. And this is the thing. People don't know what they want. People don't know what they want. They want a viral video. Why? Because then I'll get like, eyeballs on. Why? Yeah, but then people will hear me messages. So why the fuck are you dancing in your yeah. kitchen pointing at answers? What the fuck is that about? <laughs> it's like, do you want to be known as that? Like, because they're not going to see the dance and then go, oh, actually, this person's really good at their job. They're going to go, oh, yeah, good dance. They're going to come back for more of that. So unless you want to get like... Yeah. Into the you know, it is weird, isn't it? But let's talk a little bit. I've got a few more questions. Let's talk a little bit about that and how that affects the youth of today. Because I read on your Instagram, uh, sorry, your LinkedIn recently, you said about how the, the youth have got no chance with the uh, finding contentment with all the distractions, basically. You've got kids yourself, as have I. How, where's the line for you? Do you find that you are teaching and, and preaching to your kids or do you sort of just watch them and nudge them every now and again? So, so my daughter's seven in there. She's, she's now on her iPad and she's watching... Uh, YouTube videos of, of of YouTube influencers giving away Lamborghinis. Like there were six Lamborghinis, we're giving away six today. Woo! There's a hundred people who are our fans of all. And I'm watching this thinking, fucking hell. Because think about the, the whole YouTube thing, They're like mini little TV shows, that's what's going yeah. on here. You've got a big audience, you're getting all that revenue to one person as opposed to a, a big office before. You've got small teams generating a mad, mad amount. But you think about this, it's really quite interesting. There's something I started looking at the world. If you think about like the big five corporates, uh, Starbucks, Apple, Amazon, and so forth, right? <clears throat> they've taken all the heat. 
you know, we all complain about our high streets being ruined, but we're all fucking one click. <laughs> so, you know, we're all guilty of it. We all complain about the high street. Oh, look at that, it's terrible. And every single one of us are one click in a, a frigging spoon or whatever it is, right? You know, and it turns up three hours later. Yeah. That same principle, that like kind of big five or whatever the, 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 the number is, same principle is the same with social media. You get, you know, you go on social media and LinkedIn and that, that the big swells go towards so what's happening is everyone's getting squeezed. So what, and the same goes for, I, I run a networking business, um, 70,000 networking meetings have run in like since 2006 in the real world before COVID. But sure. What happened, if you look at my networking organization, it was micro and small businesses, you know, for a COVID, a pandemic that was going to last three months. That's like two years on. So all that smaller micro businesses have been wiped out. Now they're rebuilding. So if you look at this whole world, what's happening is it's got these hubs and that's online and offline. And that's the problem is that that is not the real world. So when in my days you had rappers with fat gold chains run DMC, nowadays they don't just have fat gold chains. They've got $10 million fat gold chains and they've got taking phone calls with, you know, $100,000 in hand. It, that, that's not the real world. So, so consequently, this is what people I'm looking towards is that if you're not that, you're spending what little money you've got to try front off that you're that in the nightclubs. I used to do the same. And, but it's now gone to the point where actually the 99.99999% are never going to reach that level that allows it. So what's happened? I'm a 49-year-old, so I can look at things slightly differently. But it's about contentment. And my fear, my fear is that it's now, you know, girls who are young are putting filters on. That's not who they are. So now they're filtering their fucking vision about who they are, their mind's eye. We're in danger zone. You know, I had a fucking supercar. And actually at 49, you can do that. But when you've got 27-year-olds getting out of rentals and giving that view that that's the case, that they're living like that, and you're 26 and you're working a job and you're on fucking 19 grand a year and you feel like a piece of shit because of this, that's impacting on every element of your life. I've been off the news now since uh, Christmas Eve. Yeah. So I've been seven months without the news. And I tell you something, you think about my, my, my mental state. I don't know anything about the wars that are going on. I'm not seeing fucking schools getting bombed. I've seen none of that shit. That doesn't mean I don't care. It means I can't impact. And this is what I want us to start doing. You know, I'm guilty as a parent. My daughter should be doing skipping or whatever seven-year-olds used to do. Yeah. But maybe, just maybe, the world's moved on and maybe I'm out of touch with it. Maybe that's what it is in the same way that I was into hip-hop and, and, and NWA and my parents said, what's this shit? Maybe that's what it is as part of generation. But my fear and concern for the vast majority of people is they're aspiring to be something that they can never be. You know, I'm a motivational speaker. I'm charismatic. I didn't realise I was charismatic until I realised I was charismatic. You know, I was always good at chatting up girls in nightclubs. That's probably my best barometer of it, that same skill set. You know, 20 odd years on, I'm now using it as a motivational speaker. I didn't realize that I had that skill set. But I just think that what's happening right now is culturally, we're going to get dumbed down as individuals because we don't ever believe that we can be this thing. So consequently, our lives are shit and we're going to go through our lives being feeling apathetic because we can never be that. And I'll tell you something, you know, I, for me, I wrote this book, Now What, in 2016, because I'd, re- I'd 42 I was, I, I, I'd retired. I had everything that I want, every fucking car, television, big arcade machine, this, that, and the other. And yet I went, now what? <laughs> yeah. Like, fuck. And this is the thing. We're all, yeah, what's your exit? What's your exit? You exit to then go and do three months and then start a fucking game. It's like, don't exit. Don't exit your life. Fucking stay in it. And that's what you need to do. It's great advice, and especially around the kids. I mean, now the flex, because we've all had the flex. You had the flex with the gold chains, the trainers. For me, it was like the Adidas poppers, although I had most of the time two stripes of mine. But when you did have a three-stripe pair of Adidas, you know, that's the flex. Nowadays, mate, the flex is online. 
You've got kids spending money to get their Fortnite character to have rare items so that that's where the flex happens. So the girls or the guys that they're trying to impress are seeing their character and going, oh man, you're cool. And like with the metaverse and all that, we're not going to go into it too much now because we could do a whole podcast on that. But what responsibilities do you think we have as the holders of attention, adults in this day and age that we're in, we can teach, we can learn. With all the technology evolving quickly, and maybe our mental uh, capacity not evolving quite as quick, what responsibility do you think we have? Because we've got one chance. Tommy, we've lost this one, mate. This, really? this, this battle's fucking done, mate. It's fucking done. You know, longer the people used to go to Sunday best of fucking church. We don't do that. Right now, this is everyone's fucking church. Our heads are down. Our fucking nations, mate, it's fucking lost. This battle is a battle right now of what the world looks like. Is it a fucking battle for nature? Fucking tree hugging? Or is it a battle for technology? Is everything going to look like fucking Centre Park? Or everything going to look like fucking Dubai? Because we are heading to this, mate. And I'll tell you, I believe that battle's been lost. I believe that battle's been lost, if I'm really fucking honest. And right now, this is just a, a, a fucking plaster on situations. I think we've lost control of this world. I think technology was something that, all fun and fucking games. You know, back in the day, what am I, 49? But when I was eight, nine years old, we found a copy of Razzle Porno Mag, you know, in a fucking bush as kids, you know, having a look at it. And it's like, fucking nowadays, at nine years old, typing in fucking big boobs, guess what? You're going to find fucking big boobs. And then I think I think there's a real danger on here. I think there's a re- genuine, genuine, and I don't know what the answer is, but you ain't going to be able to unpick social media. I wonder whether social media is going to be become the next fucking uh, smoking. And actually, you know, it, this is not this is not a good thing. You know, there was a time in social media, 2011, 2009 to 2011, it was social. It was a thing. Nowadays, it's been weaponized. Yes. Social media has been weaponized, weaponized. You know, I've got some fucking lunatic following me around the internet right now and they can say what they want with impunity and it's just all made up. And, and, and you know, and then it's like, whoa. And so and then there's, no, there's, no, there's no safeguards for how you deal with that. And then, like I say, if people are, 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 are looking all day long at fucking people getting fucking battered outside nightclubs on fucking TikTok, as compelling as they are, and police being bastards and this, that and the other, this shit's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. I do think, though, and... Obviously, this is my game, right? I'm in a digital marketing agency, set it up in 2020, went from coaching and helping people and doing all this great stuff for humans to like going into this tech stuff. For a while, mate, I did struggle to find where's this purpose transfer. But I think that you need to know the enemy to be able to beat it. And I think knowing what's possible will be one of the advantages that, because I would like to try, do you know what I mean? To make a difference to teach and educate kids, but maybe also be a part of an unbiased board or panel one day that can even facilitate the activity in my hometown. Who knows? Who knows where it goes? You know, I, I, think saw, I saw some video the other day, some fucking girls fighting, and everyone's got a fucking camera out. And I'm like, fuck me. You know, no one wants to get involved. It's weird. Everyone wants to fucking video. This is disgusting. You know, my mum years ago, I was a six-year-old kid. There was a... There was a um, some guy, and this was when there was bombings going on in Manchester. There was a, there was a guy that had a security guard sat on someone, or, or a police officer sat on someone, saying, "Please help me," and nobody did. 
And my mum, she sat on this guy while the police arrived. And I remember being a six-year-old and remembering that situation, but nobody helped. Nowadays, it'd be worse than that. Everyone would be videoing and then looking for, oh, they should have done that. We should have handled it better. And it's like, fucking, I don't know the last time you've ever had somebody trying to resist. So it's just a really weird situation. And I'm no square. I'm far from a square. I'm no angel. Um, but I look at this and I genuinely believe that it is a big threat to our society because, you know, if... You know, you know, my my daughter, whatever she sees on 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 YouTube, she believes. You know, so you're getting you're not speaking to Grandad anymore about World War Two and Sherman tanks. You're speaking to YouTube. Yeah. And the way that they film them is very clever as well. I look at it and I go, fucking hell, they're editing and they do music. Woo! Sound effects. Very yeah. clever. It's very lots clever. of anchoring, lots of, yeah, lo but, lots but, of deep but, stuff. But again, that. you need to know the enemy. And I think, I think there's a, I do think there's a chance to educate. Mate, I, I would love to think so. But I'll tell you something, this, while you're trying to educate, you ain't ever going to be able to beat Google and shiny videos and fucking, and, and world star and TikTok videos. So, you are pushing water uphill. As romantic a vision as it is there, Tommy, you ain't fucking beating Google. You're in the yeah. cuckoo land. I don't, I don't expect to, but if I can help others to rally an army that can see, or even not even an army, maybe not even a combative sense, but like I look at my kids and they're five and three and I think it might not be you, but it might be your kids. It might be your kids that go, do you know what? This is all rubbish. Let's, let's not do this anymore. I am, um, you know, I... It's one of those things that I'm making some key decisions over the next few days, and you may well see me coming off social media. Like, I'm that close, that fucking close to go, fuck this, this fucking stupid fucking roundabout of bullshit content, fucking and content creating. It's fucking stupid. It makes no fucking sense when you've got a fucking working mum pointing at that. Why the fuck are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? You know, you spent 15 minutes of knobbing about there for what? Is it validation? Is it because you don't know what to do? Is it because the world's doing... You know, I remember the first time that we ever seen a fucking uh, captioned Facebook fucking video. Oh, my yep. God, mind-blowing. You do now and everything's expected to be captioned. And then, so you've got this <clears throat> high production values where, you know, giving away a hundred fucking pounds on Swap Shop or whatever shit I used to watch as a fucking eight-year-old. Yeah, I don't yeah, watch yeah. it anymore. You're now giving away a hundred thousand pounds and Facebook giving a hundred thousand pounds and it's just fucking madness. So I just think that... <clears throat> I just think it's skewed as to what, you know... My, um, from a financial perspective, I've got to that point in my life where, you know, somebody said to me, oh, you fucking, I've got self-limiting beliefs. Oh, shut up, you fucking cockwomble. This was on, on, on social media. Someone oh, said, well, oh, Anthony Robbins has got this. And I don't give a fuck what you've got. You know what? I worry about me, right? I'm a guy who lived in fucking council states, lived above a chipper before I moved into this fucking house. I've got a five-bedroom fucking house. I've got one bedroom that I don't go in. If it worked really fucking hard to get me ten-bedroom mansion, dream, I'd have six fucking rooms I don't go in. So we end up with this bullshit fucking goals that are set by fucking other people. Somebody said to me, oh, you're self-living beliefs, so what do you think so? Yeah, I should have a bigger goal. Goals that skate. Oh, fucking shut up. I'm a fucking guy from a council state. I've written four fucking books. How many fucking guys from council states, you know, have written four books? What about speaking at the highest level? JCB, Costa, zero, list goes fucking on. What? Who? No one. So why the fuck? Where does it end? And this is the problem. How much is enough? Because people get themselves wrapped up. Oh, I need fucking 10 bucks. All right, because somebody else has got 10 bucks. Oh, fucking stop it. Concentrate your life on your life. And that's what you need to do. Solid advice, mate. Let's finish on a high. <laughs> Go okay, on. Let's finish on a high. Um, I'll tell you a little story very quickly about you, in my perspective. Please. I first heard of you six, maybe seven years ago. And I remember thinking to myself at the time, no, not interested. You know? 
um, that was just my ego. That was my ego getting in the way of me actually seeing someone that you could probably learn a lot from, someone that you could probably aspire, someone who's achieved a lot of things. But I was that thing you were talking about. I was that guy thinking, nah, I'm not doing it like that. I'm doing it like this. I'm seeing the flashy stuff. I'm, I'm doing it like that. And I think I've matured a bit. And, and when we started talking on social media, um, you used uh, Back Yourself, which is the name of my book. And I think I sent you a message and it was like, that's a great saying. If that had been me of the past, I'd have been like, fucking hell using using my fucking book title like how would you to know that you don't know who i am you've not read the book you've not been thinking oh, i'm going to use that it wasn't done on purpose but now you know think- something that's osmosis of fucking of, of almost intelligence you know there's some other fucking guy who said i copied something i said mate i'm not even fucking seeing you i've, no, I've never sorry you copied that trust me i've got it's just the same I've got I've got fucking thousands of literally I've got fucking thousands of stuff that I've never used in that I print out always. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, go on. Yeah, well, I'm just like getting to it now is that I see that now you are, in my opinion, and I've been in this industry in this sort of game, and I know a lot of the people and the people that you should know, and I think you're the most authentic and legit that there are, and yet you maybe don't get the same flashy headlines as a lot of the others. Because you're not spinning that same spell on people. You no, know, thank you so much for that. And it's true. And somebody, somebody, literally, I'm going to show you a message that I got last yesterday. And this is on LinkedIn while I'm just talking now. And I think that what's happening here is very similar in terms of. Um, I don't have. I'll tell you what I'll do. I won't put it because it's named in here. Love your post, buddy. Talk sense and showing people you don't need to be a knob to be successful. Would love to meet up with you. All I see is these influencers who talk shit on here just to win likes. You do it to make people understand and realize you don't need to be a dick to be successful. And I responded. This was eight fifty-seven last night. Good man. Thank you. I feel sometimes that I'm swimming. Um, I'm, I'm swimming upstream sometimes with my honesty. I love it. I live in Somerset now. I got bored of getting shot at. And this is the thing. I think I'm ahead of the curve on this. I think I've been ahead of the fucking curve on this. And it's a bit like those first generation rappers, Big Daddy Kane, and yeah. that kind of thing, where actually they never made any money. What they did, they they paved the way for paved the way. The Dr. Dre and the Snoop Dogg and, and, and the likes and the NWA. But actually they didn't make they didn't make money. And I'm okay with that. I'm all right. If that's what my role is, Pathfinder, about this, I never use the word authenticity, not in, in, in when referring to myself, not once. Because actually it, I think the, that implies rightly, that everyone's fucking unauthentic by default. And it's like, what the fuck? I don't, you know, there's something that I've got, which which once it's gone, I can never get back naivety, right? I would speak on stage and F and Jeff and swear and, and manners that, because that's what you do from Salford. And I'm, I'm doing that and people go, this guy's fucking mad, he's unyielding. But I didn't know any better. <clears throat> but I think, you know, you're saying that and this is like when you get two messages within 12 hours coming in of that, then you know you're landing. And I think that people are scared to like me I think people are scared to like me because I'm not conventional. But actually, what I do is I recognise I've been unyielding to the way that I dress. You know, I don't even have to give it any fucking thought. 15 quid T-shirt, fucking £25 jeans, £50 fucking trainers. So I don't have to spend two grand on a fucking Savile Row suit. I'm every single fucking day, 115 quid outfit, Mr. Fucking Cool. And I'm comfortable with that. And if people don't like me because of that, that's okay. They're entitled to. And I don't give a fuck about people that don't like me. I'm not bothered. All I'm interested in is that I like me. There was a time when I didn't like me. <laughs> that, and then that's a problem. You know, and this is what happens in osmosis is that people end up pretending to be something they're not in order to fit in. And then if everyone's pretending to be something they're not in order to fit in, you end up with this strange vanilla ver- version of everyone. And uh, I think that anyone I work with, associate with, um, 
you know, isn't that person. They are themselves, and, and that means you can, people can speak candidly. They can be honest. My management team can do that to say I'm a twat. They go, oh, you're a twat. Oh, well, you, I'm pulling rank. Nah. Honesty is the fucking way forward, and I think that's what the world needs more of, a little bit of honesty. And if people don't like me for me being honest, that's okay, because I don't like them for them not being honest. Yeah, fair point, mate. So, look, I think your honesty is amazing. I think that you're incredible at what you do and how you do it, genuinely. Um, my day would certainly be a lot uh, less positive if your posts weren't showing up. So yeah. I would urge you to not give up, not give in or throw the towel in on trying to put the message out because I think it will eventually land in the right places at the right times. And if you are like Big Daddy Kane in the end, then Dr. Dre yeah. needs to find you. Do you know what I mean? He still needs to find you. He or she still needs to find you yeah. in the record store or, you know, on the LinkedIn. So yeah. I would say don't give it up. Keep doing it. Um, obviously, that's over to you. But thank you so much for your time today. Um, if you had like a one-liner, I, I always think it's nice to ask people, you, there's, a, there's, a, there's a life raft and only room for one person. It's you and somebody else. You let them go, but you say you have to tell everybody this one message. What message would you give? What an amazing, amazing fucking question. Uh, my religion is uh, Bradism. Help many, hurt few, live life. Live by that. Honestly, it'll work for you. Love it. Well, thank you so much uh, for your time, for your energy and your advice. Um, look forward to seeing what happens next. With you. Thank you. Cheers, cool. Well, there we go. Episode 133 of Tommy G Talks with Brad Burton. So look, if you've enjoyed this episode and you found it useful, valuable, entertaining, insightful, then I would love to know about it. Please do reach out to me on social media at Tommy Gentleman on Instagram or Twitter. I would love to connect with you and know a bit about you, where you are, how you found this podcast and what you'd like from me in the future, uh, because that's really useful and uh, important to me to know. All right, thank you for listening. Um, If you have the energy and the time and you would like to give a review, please do so on Amazon or on Apple. Uh, That would be most uh, appreciated. Thanks again, and I'll see you in episode 134. Bye for now.